Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jonathan All. East St. Louis has one of the highest murder rates in the country, and our investigative reporter Beth Hunsdorfer is looking into it and specifically what's going on in the housing authority in that area. Beth, thanks for being with us and being on the show. Thanks for having me. So violence in East St. Louis is nothing new. No, it's not. I think it, it was surprising to find out how prevalent it is and um, t- to see how high the murder rate, the, it's the highest in the country per capita. And it, it's higher than most countries except some in Central America. And this has been going on for decades, unabated. And nobody keeps track of the murders that do get solved and what the prosecution rate is. So the problem goes on in perpetuity and there's children and there's families and there's people who are who are trying to go to jobs and and, and live everyday lives amongst this violence um in your reporting which is at stlpublicradio.org and was also published in the Belleville News Democrat um some really heart-wrenching wor- words from children um, that that are, are very aware of the violence that they see. Um, yeah, we heard stories about kids waking up and, and seeing a body outside their bedroom window, um, having, a, having a crime scene outside their door and having to walk past it on the way to school. And, you know, there was um, some studies by the Erickson Institute about how violence can affect the brain especially when it's in its really formative period between one and five, between birth and five years old. Um, that's when a lot of growth and development and language starts happening. And this is happening to kids amongst this violence. And um, it, it kind of changes the way the brain reacts to things. There's a couple of specific things from your reporting I'd love to learn a little bit more about. The first of it is uh, how the federal government was involved and kind of the the kerfuffle between Senator Durbin and the mayor of East St. Louis. Right. Um, Years ago, there was um, some... the clubs were were open all night. They were, an, it was an entertainment center for the metro area. And there was a lot of violence that were coming out of these clubs. We heard stories about um, uh, gun battles on the interstate to and from the clubs and, and lots of people getting weapon, getting shot, weapons being brought into these clubs. So uh, Durbin suggested that they have a closing time, a set closing time. Now, this would have meant a loss of revenue for an, a, a place that was already struggling. Um, so uh, the mayor at the time, Alvin Parks, resisted that. Um, and eventually what happened was the, the government was, the federal government was paying, I think it was for p- two police officers to um, kind of help patrol the housing authority. Um, And when the clubs didn't have a um, set closing time, they pulled that funding and started a a security uh, force for the housing authority alone, which sounds like a great idea, except they don't have the power to do anything but write trespassing tickets and disturbing the peace tickets and to make sure that people who are on the banned list aren't on the premises. So they have no power to investigate or pursue any kind of more serious crimes that are occurring at at the housing authority. Well, that raises a couple of questions. First of all, is the security detail without the full police powers, 
uh, better or worse than just having two police officers that were assigned to that. And, and, and so did a, a, what a kind of amounts to sort of a political retribution issue, did that make the situation in East St. Louis even worse? I don't know if it, if it made it worse. It's kind of hard to quantify that. But what we do know is that the housing authority, by its nature, a lot of people live there. It's a concentrated area of, of people. And there's a lot of gun violence that happens there. And the security force, I'm not sure if it is enough of a deterrent to knock down crime there. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people don't, we had a, a, a talk to an expert who talked about community trauma. If you can't trust in, in the institutions that are supposed to come in and, and fix your toilet when it's leaking, then it's hard to trust the security force. It's hard to trust the police. It's hard to trust the government when you can't rely that they will provide the most basic of services that they're supposed to. Why can't that security detail do more? I mean, because I, we certainly are aware of uh, subsections of government that have their own police forces that do have those kinds of powers. I'm thinking like a university campus, for example. They have their own police force that can investigate crimes and have full police powers. Why doesn't that exist at the Housing Authority? I think it's, I think it's about money and training. You have to go through um, an extensive training course to be able to um, be a certified police officer. I don't know if that's uh, if the resources are there, if the time is there, to, or, or if there's been any political will to push that forward. What, um, what, what was the most shocking thing that you found in your investigation? Um, I think it um, just how open this has become. Um, you know, we had a story in about kids going to getting off a school bus and going to an after-school program, and there's people outside shooting guns to the point where the sister who runs the program had to call the school to have the the school bus pull around front so the kids weren't walking in gunfire. This is at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, you know, I, I don't think a lot of us can conceive of having heart children being in that kind of situation. Um, and I, I think that it it's a shame and it's something everyone needs to be aware of that it's going on right in the metro area right now. Where's the outrage? I mean, because I, I think that that um, that if if this level of violence happened in many other places in the St. Louis area, um, there would be huge community outrage. But since it's been going on for so long in St. Louis, and you talk about almost a complacency and acceptance among the people who live there and the elected officials who are there, is there anyone who's really angry and outraged and demanding some answers? And is, is anybody listening? I think that there are people who would like to see this change, obviously. I think there are good people who, uh, there are good cops on the street that want to solve this problem. I think there are well-intentioned politicians that want to solve this problem, but I don't know if the will is there um, to actually make a difference and, and how to step in and change something that's been going on for decades. Um, some people have said when we were reporting this, well, yes, of course, you know, East St. Louis is dangerous, but there's also good stuff going on in East St. Louis. I mean, it's not, there are families that live there. There are people who run businesses there. There are um, community groups and, and, and grandmothers and grandfathers who live there. 
And don't they deserve better? What, if any, possible solutions are there? Um, I, I'm really not sure. I, I think that's probably for, for better minds than mine. Um, I think that you have to start building trust in the community with the institutions that are supposed to be providing services. Um, that goes from the local police department to the Illinois State Police to the prosecutors to the city government um, and the housing authority and, and, you know, the street department. That The idea is that simple basic services like having good streets and having um, vacant lots mowed and trash picked up, and when those things come together and the people start believing in the services that are being provided, including the police, I think you might start to see a change. And, you know, East St. Louis is, is, is a great place, and it's got a lot of potential. It's very close to downtown, but it needs to have some sort of transformative push to get it to become what it, what it could be. What's next in your series? Um, we're looking at a couple of cases, um, uh, a shooting that happened outside the club casino uh, back in 2000 that was uh, that went unsolved. Um, there was a, there was a suspect, but there were never any arrests. We're also looking at uh, a murder that happened in the housing projects to a young mother who was gunned down in front of her child, and there were suspects, but there were no arrests. So. Of course, we don't know the reasons why, but we're laying that out there to, to get people to kind of understand that there could, there should be a resolution to some of these cases. But just the overwhelming crush of having case after case after case after case puts a lot of pressure on a police department. They don't have time to go back and, and do cases once they've gone cold. You, you mentioned uh, distrust in, in institutions, and you mentioned both police and prosecutors. Is it more a police issue or a prosecution issue why these murders are going unsolved? Um, I, think, I think there's a combination. Um, you know, I think you had some really talented um, investigators on the East St. Louis Police Department who, who got into some trouble, and um, you've had some police chiefs get into trouble. Um, and, you know, that makes the prosecutors distrust the police. And then the police feel like the prosecutors won't listen to them. And there's just this cycle of, of distrust. And, and I think, you know, maybe you need to kind of take a breath. Everybody needs to take a breath and start all over again. Beth Hunsdorfer, investigative reporter for St. Louis Public Radio. Her series and of your collaborator, who is... George Palazic. George Palazic. Um, their uh, work is online at stlpublicradio.org. It's also been uh, published in the, the Belleville News Democrat. Uh, Beth, thanks very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. KWMU.